Chapter 4 of The Dream Coach by Anne Parrish. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Birdcage with Tassels of Purple and Pearls. Three Dreams of a Little Chinese Emperor. The driver of the dream coach paused as he turned over the pages of the great white and gold book in which are kept the names of all those who have ridden or are to be given rides in the brightly painted coach. I see he said, addressing the little angels who helped him keep these records. I see the name of the little Chinese emperor, and there is a cross opposite his name. Has he been naughty, he asked. Has he been picking the sacred lotus flowers of his honorable ancestors? Has he? Oh, please, interrupted one of the smallest angels. I put that cross there to remind me to tell you something about the little emperor. You see, he hasn't been naughty, not exactly, but he's made a mistake. He doesn't understand, said the smallest angel with his eyes round and serious. And can I help the little emperor understand? asked the driver of the dream coach. Of course you can, cried the smallest angel, beaming brightly. It's this way. The little Chinese emperor has a friend of mine fastened up in a cage where he is very sad. An angel in a cage, asked the driver. I never heard of such a thing. Well, not exactly an angel, a... But what it was, and how the driver helped the little angel's friend, that you shall hear. The little emperor was dreadfully bored. He yawned so that his round little face, as round and yellow as a full moon, grew quite long, and his nose wrinkled up into soft yellow creases, like cream that is being pushed back by the skimmer from the top of a bowl of milk. His slanting black eyes shut up tight, and when they opened, they were so full of tears that they sparkled like blackthorn berries wet with rain. "'Oh, dear! Oh, dear!' cried his aunt, Princess Autumn Cloud. "'The little emperor is bored. What shall we do? Oh, what shall we do to amuse him? For when he is bored, he very soon grows naughty, and when he is naughty, oh, dear!' And she began to cry. But then she was always crying. When she was born, her father and mother named her bright yellow butterfly floating in the sunshine. But she cried so much that by the time she was five years old, they saw that name would not do at all, and changed it to Autumn Cloud pouring down rain upon the sad gray sea. She cried about anything. If her lady-in-waiting brought her a bowl of tea with honeysuckle blossoms in it, she would cry because they weren't jasmine flowers. If they were jasmine, she would cry because they weren't honeysuckle. When the peach trees bloomed, she would cry because that meant that spring had come, and that meant summer would soon follow, and then autumn, and then the cold winter. And oh, how cold the wind will be then, and how fast the snow will fall! sobbed Princess Autumn Cloud, looking through her tears at the bright pink peach blossoms. <laughs> she cried because her sea-green jacket was embroidered with storks instead of bamboo trees. She cried because they brought her shark fin soup in a bowl of green lacquer with a gold dragon twisting around it instead of a red lacquer bowl with a silver dragon. She cried if the weather was hot. She cried if the weather was cold. And hardest of all, she cried whenever the little emperor was naughty. Whenever she began to cry, a lady-in-waiting knelt in front of her and caught her tears in a golden bowl, for it never would have done to let them run down her cheeks like an ordinary person's tears. They would have washed such deep roads through the thick white powder on her face. 
every morning princess autumn cloud and indeed every lady in the court of the little emperor covered her face with honey in which white jasmine petals had been crushed to make it smell sweet then when she was all sticky she put on powder until her face was as white as an egg then she painted on very surprised-looking black eyebrows and a little mouth as red and round as a blob of sealing wax it looked just as if her mouth were an important letter that had to be sealed up to keep all sorts of secrets from escaping princess autumn cloud and princess gentle breeze and lady gleaming dragonfly and lady moon seen through the mist and all the rest of them would have thought it as shocking to appear without paint and powder covering up their faces as they would have thought it to appear without any clothes so princess autumn cloud leaned over as if she were making a deep bow and let her tears fall into a golden bowl and then because they were royal tears they were poured into beautiful porcelain bottles that were sealed up and placed rows and rows and rows of them in a room all hung with silk curtains embroidered with weeping willows oh what shall be done to amuse the little emperor sobbed princess autumn cloud perhaps he would like some music and she clapped her hands with her long long fingernails covered with gold fingernail protectors so four fat musicians dressed in vermilion silk and wearing big horn-rimmed spectacles to show how wise they were came and kowtowed to the little emperor that is they got down on their knees which was hard for them to do because they were so fat and then all together knocked their heads on the floor nine times apiece to show their deep respect then one beat on a drum boom boom and one clashed cymbals of brass together crash bang and one rang little bells of green and milk-white jade and the oldest and fattest beat with mallets up and down the back of a musical instrument carved and painted to look like a life-sized tiger with glaring eyes and sharp white teeth the little emperor sprawled back in his big dragon throne under the softly waving peacock feather fans stretched out his arms and legs and yawned harder than ever oh 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 what shall be done to amuse him wailed princess autumn cloud bursting into tears afresh can no one suggest anything and although the mandarins and the court ladies thought to themselves that what they would really like to suggest for such a spoiled little boy would be to send him to bed without his supper they none of them dared say so but tried to look very solemn and sympathetic would the little old ancestor enjoy some sweetmeats suggested lady lotus blossom old ancestor is what you call the emperor if you are properly brought up and polite and chinese so gentlemen-in-waiting came and kowtowed and offered the little emperor lacquered boxes of crystallized ginger of sugared sunflower seeds and of lychee nuts but do you think he was interested not at all he would not even look at them the wind is blowing hard would it amuse the little old ancestor to watch the kites fly asked old lord mighty swishing dragon's tail the little emperor didn't know whether it would or not however he couldn't be more bored than he was already so he climbed down from his throne and went out into the windy autumn garden first marched the musicians beating on drums to let everyone know that the emperor was coming then came the court ladies tottering along on their golden lilies which is what they call their tiny little feet that have been bound up tightly to keep them small ever since the ladies were babies 
Then the mandarins with their long pigtails and their padded silk coats whose big sleeves held fans and tobacco and bags of betel nuts and sheets of pale green and vermilion writing paper. Then Princess Autumn Cloud in a jade green gown embroidered with a hundred lilac butterflies, a lilac jacket, and pale rose-colored trousers tied with lilac ribbons. In her ears, around her arms, and on her fingers were jade and pearls, and her rose-colored shoes were trimmed with tassels of pearls and were so tiny that she could hardly hobble. In her shiny black hair, she wore on one side a big peony, the petals made of mother of pearl and the leaves of jade. Each petal and leaf was on a fine wire, so that when she moved her head, they trembled as real flowers do when the wind blows over them. On the other side were two jade butterflies that trembled, too. In front of her, walking backward, went her lady-in-waiting, holding the golden tear-bowl in case the princess should suddenly begin to cry. And last of all, surrounded by his gentlemen-in-waiting, came the little emperor, dressed from head to foot in yellow, the imperial color, so that he looked like a little baby duckling. And as he came, everyone in the palace and in the garden had to stop whatever they were doing, gossiping, teasing the royal monkeys, chewing betel nuts, or sweeping up dead leaves, and kneel down and knock their heads on the ground until he had passed. How the wind was blowing! It sent the willow branches streaming. It wrinkled the lake water and turned the lotus leaves wrong side out. It scattered the petals of the chrysanthemums. It tossed the kites high in the sky. How brightly their colors shone against the gray sky. Some were made to look like pink and yellow melons with trailing leaves. Some were like warriors in vermilion. Some were golden fish. Others were black bats. And the biggest one of all was a great blue-green dragon. As for the little emperor, he took one look at them and then yawned so hard that they were afraid he would dislocate his jaw. A little brown bird, the color of a dead leaf, had been hopping about on the ground under the chrysanthemums looking for something for its supper, and now suddenly flew up into a willow tree and began to sing. The little emperor clapped his hands, and all his servants dropped on their knees and began to kowtow. "'Catch me that little brown bird with the beautiful song,' he said. He stopped yawning, and his eyes grew bright with eagerness. "'But, little old ancestor, that is such a plain little bird,' said his aunt timidly. "'Surely you would rather have a cockatoo as pink as a cloud at dawn, "'or a pair of lovebirds as green as leaves in spring.' "'The rude little emperor paid not the slightest attention to her, "'but stamped his foot and shouted, "'Catch me that little bird!' "'So his servants chased the poor little fluttering bird with butterfly nets.' The wind whipped their bright silk skirts, and their pigtails streamed out behind, and they puffed and panted, for they were most of them very fat. And at last the bird was caught and put in a cage trimmed with tassels of purple silk and pearls, with drinking cup and seed cup made like the halves of plums from purple amethysts on brown amber twigs with green jade leaves. For a time the little emperor was delighted with his new pet, and every day he carried it in his cage when he went for a walk, but it never sang, only beat against the bars of its cage or huddled on its perch, so presently he grew tired of it, and it was hung up in its cage in a dark corner of one of the palace rooms where he soon forgot all about it. How could the little bird sing? It was sick for the wide blue roads of the air, for wet green rice fields where the coolies stand with bare legs, sky-blue shirts, and bamboo hats as big as umbrellas, for the yellow rivers, 
and for the mountains bright with red lilies. How could it sing in a cage? But sometimes it tried to cry to them, Let me out! Please, please, let me out! I have never done anything to harm you. I am so unhappy. I think my heart is breaking. Please let me go free. What a sweet song, everyone would say. Run and tell the little emperor that his bird is singing again. After a while, the little bird realized that they did not understand, and it tried no longer, but drooped, dull-eyed and silent, in its cage. One night, the little emperor had a dream. Perhaps you won't wonder when I tell you what he had for supper. First, he had tea in a bowl of jade as round and white as the moon, heaped up with honeysuckle flowers. Then, in yellow lacquer boxes, sugared seeds, sunflower and lotus flower and watermelon seeds, boiled walnuts and lotus buds. Then velvety golden peaches and purple plums with a bloom of silver on them. Pork cooked in eleven different ways, chopped, cold, with red beans and with white beans, with bamboo shoots, with onions and with cherries, with eggs, with mushrooms, with cabbage and with turnips. Ducks and chickens stuffed with pine needles and roasted. Smoked fish. Shrimps and crabs fried together. Shark fins. Boiled bird's nests. Porridge of tiny yellow seeds like bird seed. Cakes in the shapes of seashells, fish, dragons, butterflies, and flowers. Chrysanthemum soup steaming in a yellow bowl with a green dragon twisting around it. Not one other thing did that poor little emperor have for his supper. When he was so full that he couldn't hold anything more, not even one sugared watermelon seed, they took off his silk napkin embroidered with the little brown monkeys eating pink and orange persimmons. He was so sleepy that he did not even stamp his feet when they washed his face and hands. Then they took off his red silk gown embroidered with gold dragons and blue clouds and lined with soft gray fur, his yellow silk shirt, and his red satin shoes with their thick white soles but he went to bed in his pale yellow pantaloons tied around the ankles with rose-colored ribbons. I must tell you about his bed. It was made of brick, and inside of it a small fire was built to keep the little emperor warm. On top of this, three yellow silk mattresses were placed, then silk sheets, red, yellow, green, blue, and violet, then a coverlet of yellow satin embroidered with stars. Under his head were pillows stuffed with tea leaves, and above him was a canopy of yellow silk embroidered with a great round moon whose golden rays streamed down the yellow silk curtains drawn around him. He fell asleep, and this is what he dreamed. The long golden rays seemed to turn into the bars of a cage. Yes, he was in a huge cage. He tried frantically to get out. He beat against the bars. Then he saw what looked like the roots of trees and brown tree trunks, a grove all around the cage. But the trees moved and stepped about, and looking up the trunks, instead of leaves, he saw feathers, and still farther, sharp beaks, and then bright eyes were looking at him. They were birds. What he had thought were the roots of trees were their claws, and the trunks of the trees were their legs. But what enormous birds! They were as big as men, while he was as small as a bird. Let me out, he shouted. Don't you know I am the emperor, and everyone must obey me? Let me out, I say. Ah, he is beginning to sing, said one bird to another. Not a very musical song, too shrill by far. Take my advice, wring his neck and roast him. He would make a tender, juicy morsel for our supper. Oh, let me out, please. 
Please let me out, cried the poor little emperor in terror. He is singing more sweetly now, remarked one of the birds. Too loud, quite ear-splitting, said a ladybird, fluffing out her breast feathers and lifting her wings to show how sensitive she was. If he were mine, I should pluck him. His little yellow silk trousers would line my nest so softly. Oh, please, please, set me free. Really, his song is growing quite charming, but one can't stand listening to it all day. And with a great whir and flap and rustle of wings, the birds flew away and left him in his cage alone. He called for help and threw himself against the bars until he was exhausted. Then bruised, panting, his heart nearly breaking out of his body, he lay on the floor of the cage. Finally, growing hungry and thirsty, he looked in his seed and water cups, drank a little lukewarm water, and ate a dry breadcrumb. Now and then birds came and looked at him. Some of them tried to catch his pigtail with their beaks or claws. Next day the little emperor was thoughtful. Could it be, he wondered, that a little bird's nest was as dear to it as his own bed with its rainbow coverlets and its moon and stars was to him? That a little bird liked ripe berries and cold brook water as much as he liked ripe peaches and tea with jasmine flowers? that a little bird was as frightened when he tried to catch its tail in his fingers as he was when the birds tried to catch his pigtail? And then he thought of how he had felt when the ladybird had wanted his pantaloons to line her nest, and, hot with shame, he remembered his glistening jewel-bright blue cloak made of thousands of kingfisher's feathers. It had made him miserable to think of their taking his clothes. But suppose his clothes grew on him as their feathers did on them— how would he have felt then, hearing the bird say, I should pluck him. His little silk trousers would line my nest so softly. He went to bed thinking about his little brown bird, and before he shut his eyes, he made up his mind to set it free in the morning. Then he fell asleep, and once again he dreamed that he was in the golden cage. Whirr! One of the great birds flew down by the cage door. With his claw, he unfastened it, opened it, Oh, how exciting! The little emperor tore out, so afraid he would be stopped and put back in the cage. Oh, how he ran across the room and through the open door. Free! He was free! Tears rushed to his eyes, and his heart felt as if it would burst with happiness. But it was winter. The garden was deep in snow that was falling as if it would never stop. The peaches and plums were gone, and the lotus pond was frozen hard as stone. The little emperor had never been out in the snow before except when he was dressed in his warm padded clothes, with one gentleman in waiting carrying his porcelain stove, and another bringing tea, and a third with cakes in a box of yellow lacquer, and a fourth holding between the snowflakes and the imperial head a great moss-green umbrella. So small and helpless in so big and cold a world, what could a little boy find to eat or drink? Where could he warm himself? He ran frantically through the snow. The rose-colored ribbons that tied his pantaloons came untied and trailed behind him, and the cold snow went up his bare legs. Pausing to catch his sobbing breath, he looked up to see the thick snow sliding from a pine-tree branch and jumped aside just in time to keep from being buried beneath it. Then on he plunged again, growing with each step more weak and cold and hungry, stopping now and then to call for help in a quavering voice that grew feebler every time, blinking back the tears that froze on his lashes as he tried to remember that emperors must never cry. Then, struggling on through the blinding snow, a little boy lost and alone. 
then as it began to grow dark he saw two great lanterns shining through the snow coming slowly nearer perhaps his aunt and his chief gentleman-in-waiting lord mighty swishing dragon's tail lord Dragontail for short had missed him and had come with lanterns to look for him he tried to go forward to them to call but he was too exhausted to move or make a sound and then imagine his terror when he realized that the glowing green lights were not lanterns at all but the eyes of a great crouching animal a cat gathering all his strength for one last desperate effort he tried to run but with a leap the cat was after him and with a paw now rolled into a velvet ball now unsheathing sharp curved claws tapped him first on one side then on the other nearly let him go caught him again with one bound and with a harder blow sent him spinning into stars and darkness Whew. someone was shaking him was it the cat the little emperor opened his eyes and saw the frightened face of princess autumn cloud bending over him as yellow as a lemon for she had jumped out of bed when she heard him cry out in his sleep and there hadn't been time to put on the honey and the powder to paint on the surprised black eyebrows or the round red mouth wake up wake up little old ancestor she was crying as she shook him you're having a bad dream aren't you the cat asked the little emperor who wasn't really awake yet certainly not little old ancestor replied his aunt rather offended the little emperor climbed out of his bed the room was full of the still white light that comes from snow and looking out of the window he saw that the plum trees and the cherry trees looked as if they had blossomed in the night the snow lay so white and light on every twig softly the snow fell deep deep it lay and the people who passed by his windows went as silently as though they were shod in white velvet the little emperor thought of his dream and decided that his little bird might suffer and die if he let it go free before winter was over but he explained to the bird and tried to make it happier when summer comes you shall fly away into the sky he told it he brought it fruit and green leaves to peck at talking to it gently and the little bird seemed to understand the dull eyes grew brighter and though it never sang it sometimes chirped as if it were trying to say thank you on the first night of summer when the moon lay like a great round pearl in the deep blue sea of the sky the little emperor slept and dreamed again that the cage door opened for him and let him go free but oh what happiness now happiness almost too great for a little boy to bear peonies were in bloom each petal like a big seashell and blue butterflies floated over them in the warm sunshine half hidden in the grass the little emperor found a great purple fruit a mulberry how good it was the dewy spider webs glistened like the great tinsel bridge to heaven that they built for him on every birthday how happy he was how happy free and safe with the sun to warm him and the breeze to cool him with food tumbling down from heaven or the mulberry trees he wasn't sure which with a crystal clear dewdrop to drink on every blade of grass how happy he was the lake was full of great rustling leaves and big pink lotus flowers venturing out on one of the leaves he paddled his feet over its edge in the very gently lapping water then climbing into one of the pink blossoms he lay so happy so happy looking up at the blue-green dragonflies darting overhead and rocking gently in his rosy boat 
No, it was not the lotus flower that rocked him on the water. It was Princess Autumn Cloud who was gently shaking him and saying, Wake up, if you please, dear little old ancestor. And hard as it is to believe, she was really smiling. The little emperor had been so good lately, and then it was such a beautiful day. He could not wait until after breakfast to let his little brown bird go free. As soon as he was dressed, he ran as fast as he could to the room where the birdcage hung. Pat-a-pat-pat went his little feet in their blue satin shoes, and thud-thud-puff-puff his fat old gentleman-in-waiting lumbered along behind him. "'I've come to set you free,' he whispered as he carried the cage with its tassels of purple and pearls out into the beautiful day. For one minute he wanted to cry, for he had grown to love the little bird, but he remembered again that emperors must not cry. He opened the door of the cage. "'Little old ancestor's bird has flown away!' cried the mandarins. "'It has flown so high in the sky that we can hardly see it,' the court ladies answered. And they all wished that the little emperor would stop gazing up into the sky at the little dark speck so that they might go in and have their breakfasts. But the little emperor, the empty birdcage in his hand, still looked up high, high in the sky. And now, really, he could no longer see it. But a thread of song dropped down to him, a silver thread of song, a golden thread of love between the hearts of a little bird and a little boy. Thank you. Oh, thank you, my little emperor. End of chapter four. Read by Lynette Calkins, Monument, Colorado.